relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. First, there's one condition. One condition for anything that could happen and the good things that could happen once this war is over. And that condition is that Hamas must be destroyed. As our good friend Lord Conrad Back pointed out, maybe a reference for you Latin scholars to Cartago de Lenda Est. Carthage must be destroyed. In this case, it's not ancient history. We are living historic times. That is the Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, a former combatant commander, saying Hamas must be destroyed. Well, is it possible? Let's unpack that with one of the wisest individuals I know on that benighted region of the world. He's a colleague of mine from Newsmax. We've known each other for rather a long time. Professor Walid Faris, welcome in studio. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. It's been a long time, I think, at National Defense University. Exactly. At least least a few decades. At least two decades. At least two decades. A few years after 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And after uh, 9-11, once I started teaching uh, counterterrorism for the Defense Department, one of the key texts was Future Jihad, Mm. a seminal work written by our guest, Walid Faris. Uh, Please check it out if you want to understand the basics, terrorist strategies against the West. That's a seminal work. However, he more recently has written the book Iran, an imperialist republic and U.S. policy, which is sadly of great relevance. Uh, Let's start with that clip from the Prime Minister, Professor Hamas must be destroyed. Is it possible? We are talking about not just house-to-house fighting. We are talking about tunnel-to-tunnel fighting. Uh, when the, you know, the ground troops go in, this will be like uh, Fallujah on steroids, no? Absolutely. Fallujah and many other examples as well. Uh, we're looking at two options. Option one is called the military option. You're going to go and dismantle Hamas, meaning crush militarily Hamas and then reorganize uh, the area. The other option, which will be a partial uh, advance inside uh, Gaza, and then another third party would say, I will take care of the rest. We're going to develop this because I have had some diplomatic sources telling me what could happen if the Israelis moved in. Let me say it right now. Uh, In order to limit the uh, civilian casualties and in order to allow Israel to move on other fronts, because Hezbollah may start in the north. In the north. And then, of course, Iran controlling southern Syria. Maybe, maybe the members of the Abraham Accords finally, finally would wake up, but they need a lot of pressure. And they need an administration (laughs) different than this one, but even with this administration would say, okay, we will move into the south of Gaza. Militarily, they will move in. We are a peace force, but we won't accept Hamas. So, like Jordanian peacekeepers, oh, Egypt, 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 Egypt could easily put five divisions. They have them in the Sinai and move in. And remember, Hamas killed many Egyptian military. Well, Ham- the, the, the genesis of Hamas is is Egyptian when when the land was controlled by Egypt. So exactly, they, they have long memories in that part of the world. Long memory. The the leadership are not going to be you know excited about it, <laughs> but they know if they don't get Hamas to be dismantled, yeah. Hamas is going to go to Egypt. It's going to go to Saudi. 
and all these beautiful projects in Egypt, in yeah. Saudi, in the UAE, you know, will, will be harmed. So, so let, let, can I react? Yeah, this is a very yeah. exciting idea, yeah. and of course, it's it's coming from you. Uh, I'm not surprised, but here's my problem. Yeah, the Abraham Accords are a relic of our administration, the Trump administration. Yes, you are. You are. Um, and the idea that this administration that has been dismantling what we created not only would use that headline or that masthead of the Abraham Accords, but secondly, would have the requisite leadership. I don't want to be a wet blanket on your superb proposal, but I like it. But wouldn't it require strong leadership from the White House professor? Professor, you're the first and strongest <laughs> and smartest uh, you know, author of a reaction to this project. This project is in kitchens. It's, not, it's been cooked. There is nothing yet. And I was on Arabia now, and they asked me about the reaction of the Arab world. It's most likely, because I've lived the same situation, witnessed the same situation in Beirut, in Lebanon, when there was a multinational force going in, but it was only after Israel moved in. That's a big difference. Israel's not going to wait for the formation no. of an Arab but by saying, okay, I'm moving in, I'm dismantling Hamas, if you want peace, you have to pay the price with me as well by sending your forces to actually co-manage or actually, you know, end the jihadist uh, roots. So let, let's, let's uh, dissect this idea, which I think is, is very exciting. Uh, what does Egypt think today under Sisi? What does Jordan, that has 600,000 refugees, mm -hmm. what do they think? about Hamas. What, what does Egypt, what does Jordan think about this organization today that is right there in their midst? Well, first of all, uh, Professor, before this incident, before the, uh, the terrible terror attack against the Negev in Israel, uh, Egypt was very clear in saying Hamas has been in meddling in our country, in their country, has been funding the jihadists in, and training the jihadists in Sinai. You know, the Egyptian people, the media, they dislike Hamas. But when this happened, and the bombardment started in, uh, in Gaza, the Muslim Brotherhood networks and media funded by uh, the, the suspects in the region have been bombarding the mind of Egyptians, of Arabs that look at the you know, children being killed and women, so on and so forth. So there is a change in the narrative. But deep down in the government and the administration, they want to finish from these jihadi forces. Whose side would the Egyptian people be on? Are they falling for the narrative? Are they falling for the fake news? Or is Sisi powerful enough? President Sisi is not coming strong against the bombardments, but he's saying this has to end, because, which means, if you translate, I cannot, as a government, keep seeing this. So either you're going to go in and end this matter or we will have to find a solution and that's a big army egypt has capabilities huge capabilities they are been trained by us for many many years they have excellent relationship military to military with the israelis especially when egypt was threatened by the jihadists and by the muslim brotherhood have we forgotten in 2013 there was a huge demonstration by civil society in egypt against the brotherhood so that's a guarantee right now, the problem, you started by a very important point, this administration. This administration seems to me, I mean, you could ask me any question because you have answered them already in the past. They don't have a plan. No. The only plan they have is the Iran deal. And the Iran deal is actually, what is it, delaying the administration from doing anything. Well, and the, uh, the other plan was, which is uh, unbelievable, is to fly the president mm. into Israel to actually delay the Israeli response because you can't send troops into the Gaza when Air Force One is landing at uh, the airport in Tel Aviv. Absolutely. There is an, a quasi-scandal happening now. I tweeted about it. So 
The administration asked the Israelis do not go in, but then gave a reason, which is we need to place a dome over our forces deployed in Syria and Iraq. And my question is, you have not done so? <laughs> have you not done so? Of course your intellectual... Uh, there have been 14 attacks, this is unclassified, 14 yeah. attacks against U.S. forces yeah. since the attacks in Israel on October 7th. Yes, and very, very serious. So now we're going to wait for that dome to happen. I don't know about the Israelis if they're going to... Probably they will engage in a ground operation, as, as you know, but they're going to start dismantling from the air whatever they can. What about Jordan? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Jordan has accepted hundreds of thousands of refugees yes. in the last 20 years from Syria, and, and they have a very large uh, po- population of Palestinian Arabs. Yeah. The Queen made this statement mm-hmm. yesterday saying, you know, Israel has to stop this. Uh, where does Jordan stand in all of this? Let's go back one inch and then back to Jordan. So yeah. Egypt already, the President Sisi said, I don't want the Palestinians to flood the Sinai. Because if they flood the Sinai, there are going to be thousands of jihadists among them. Jordan the same. Jordan even more critical. Egypt is a 90 million people country. Jordan is a few, few million. Both of them do not want the solution of the Palestinians leave because the jihadists are all over with them. Which means, which convinces me that if this administration does its job, they can talk to, the, to Egypt, they can talk to, uh, to Jordan to form this multinational force and probably allow the Israelis to start the campaign and the Arabs will have to end it. Uh, I love this idea. This is why we invite uh, individuals of such sterling reputation as Walid Faris, a PhD, on the show. He's the author most recently of Iran, Get It Right Now, An Imperialist Republic and U.S. Policy. Uh, the classic text, if you want to understand the broader threat, is future jihad, terrorist strategies against the West. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, the book that propelled me to the White House to end up as strategist to the president was my first book, Defeating Jihad. It is basically a summation of everything I did for the U.S. military, uh, U.S. law enforcement, and the intelligence community. It is, a, it is sadly, like the professor's work, relevant again. It is available with all of my works, Why We Fight the War for America's Soul, at our website, sebgorkastore.com, with other America First items. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. If you enjoy the deep dive with true experts like Professor Farris, make sure you never, ever miss any of our long-form interviews. Go to whichever uh, platform you prefer for your podcasts, whether it's the Salem Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Never, ever miss an episode. And once you're there, 
It's free to subscribe in exchange. Would you please leave us a five-star review? It does help with those dastardly algorithms. And don't forget the store, sebgorkastore.com. We'll be back with The Good Professor after these messages. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, and Saudi Arabia are conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. Patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see tyrannical implications. The end of cash? The end of financial privacy? Big government able to see your every purchase? Could there be ties to a social credit system? You can own private currency, gold and silver. Get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653, MidasGoldGroup.com. Professor Faris, let's do a little bit more of a survey in the region uh, mm-hmm. around Israel. A couple of countries we haven't discussed, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Qatar, which is a bad actor. Talk to us about first, do you believe the reports that this seemingly suicidal decision by Hamas to kill over 1,400 Israelis, which will bring the might of the IDF down on their heads, was done to simply scupper, to sabotage the impending improvement of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Could that have been the strategic calculus? That's a great point you're making, Professor. It is part of it. It's absolutely a part of it. Hamas is not going to do an action of this size, knowing that you know, hell is going to come on earth because of that. I mean, like massive killing. It's a systematic killing of individuals. It's not bombardment and casualties. They're they're targeting key Hamas individuals. No, I'm talking about what Hamas has done. What Hamas did. Yeah, it's not a military action. Yeah, it's targeting civilians. It's killing civilians, but with with methods that we just saw right now, unbelievable. There is a psychological breakdown that the jihadists, the extreme jihadists are bringing in their society and that's going to be a problem even after the liberation of Gaza from those jihadists, extreme, extreme jihadists. This is not even Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood will bring prisoners, take a picture, and start the hostage. This was terrible. Now, this isn't political. This yeah. is beyond political. This is beyond political. Political are the instructions. The execution is beyond. It's something we have to be very careful about. And this is a small uh, warning to the West. We have in the West, jihadists of the sort, because they come from the same ideology. So be ready. We'll, we'll talk about what it means here, what it means here, or in Australia, as we of saw course. the gas the Jews chant outside the Opera yes, House. Yes, this is new. The, the, the uh, Swedes being killed in Belgium, the two tourists, the French teacher being knifed by a yes. Chechen jihadi after the Israeli attack. We'll talk about that later in the hour. This is the, the luxury of having a guest in studio for, for, for the, for the uh, long-form discussion. But what else could be part of that strategic calculus? So sabotage uh, the closening of relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. What else could be in the calculation beyond just apocalyptic jihadism? The, that's a good term to use now. Uh, the Iranian regime 
basically is in control of these operations. We know that, the battlefield of Gaza, battlefield of southern Lebanon, battlefield of southern Syria, the Anbar area, and it is all headquartered in, in, in Iran. Now, one of the reasons, when the Iranian regime acts and opens a battlefield, they have multiple reasons. One of the reasons, and I thank you for asking me this, because these are the two reasons. I just was briefing the House of Lords yesterday via TV. Wonderful. And they asked the same question, and prior to that, but that was prior to the operation, members of the U.S. House. So one is immediate is Saudi Arabia, because if Saudi Arabia signs off and seals off the Abraham Accord, Iran is isolated. Yeah. Then it's done for them. Second, even more important... Because of the importance of Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. I remember, you remember when you were in the administration, what, that, the Riyadh Convention? Yeah. The, the second most important speech. After Warsaw, yeah. I believe it was President Trump's second most important speech because he said in front of the heads of states of 52 Arab... 52 Arab Muslim said, leaders. you yeah. need to deal with the jihadism in your mosques, in your societies. Absolutely. Yeah. And you and I contributed, you know, through our remarks to the campaign and so on and so forth. So the Saudis coming closer to the Israelis, and the Saudis are very careful. They would not sign off quickly because they have a lot of responsibilities. It's the beginning of the isolation of Iran. So bringing down the Saudi-Israeli agreement, it's not just about trade. It's about essential matters, is one. The second, probably one inch more important, the regime has been facing the revolution inside Iran, those youth and women were moving slowly and... Taking off the hijab, resisting the, the theological police. You cannot reverse it anymore. So a question of time. So to flee, to dodge what's happening inside their country, and that's not the first case in history. If you want to dodge a revolution... Yeah, you come. distract the people. This is a decoy. I call it the mega decoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opening another battlefield. Actually, Hezbollah has done it on a smaller size in 2006. In 2005, there was a Cedars Revolution in Lebanon. They rose against uh, this Assad and, and Hezbollah. And what did Hezbollah do in 2006 in the summer? Open the front with Israel. That's what Iran has done through Hamas. I have so many questions to ask. I'm constantly <laughs> writing down new ones. I'll try and get to as many of them as possible. In the meantime, the most recent book from our guest is Iran, an imperialist republic and U.S. policy. Follow him on social media and then check out also his seminal work, one I set for my students a long time ago when I was still a professor. Uh, future Jihad, terrorist strategies against the West. And make sure you are following us on all social media. We have updates for you every single day. Just look for my name, Seb Gorka, or Sebastian Gorka on True Social, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram. You can watch us on your Roku, your Fire Stick device, or just get the Salem News Channel app. And for unique content from me, brand new article just up is my Substack content from me and direct access to me just go to sebastiangorka.substack.com that's my whole name is one word sebastiangorka.substack.com and if you stand with the 45th president of the united states god willing if we do our part the 47th and you've had it with the political targeting of a former president and leader of the opposition check out sebgorkastore.com we've put his booking photograph I hate the phrase mugshot. On a yard sign, on a T-shirt, on a mug, tell the world who you are and that you've had enough. Go to sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. And more important than that, support him directly at donaldjtrump.com. That's donaldjtrump.com. We'll be back with the good professor after these messages. 
whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest-capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the standard magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. So part of the calculus for what Hamas did is to sabotage relations uh, between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Talk to us about one other country we haven't mentioned in the region. Talk to us about the importance of Qatar. The one country, Qatar, today was playing again a new role, mediating uh, the issue of the hostages. But remember, Qatar, you and I know it, for years <clears throat> was supporting the Muslim Brotherhood around the region. The region, but Qatar has special relations with the United States, and therefore its position now to uh, discuss the matter on how to release the hostages. But in the first place, Hamas has actually grabbed the hostages to be able to negotiate them, and gave that pass like a volleyball back to Qatar to start the negotiations in the goal of gaining time for Hamas, because Israelis and us, United States and other Europeans, are very sensitive in terms of uh, hostages. So. Time is what Hamas will gain. Is the current situation the consequence of these attacks? Does it mean the death of the Abraham Accords, or could they be resurrected under a second Trump administration? It's like Lazarus. It's quite <laughs> but some some force can but bring it. But it could come back. I don't think this administration can do it. It's too short. It's too right, right. chaotic. So a next administration, without going into our politics, if it has that vision. Yeah, it could bring it back. Why? Because the population in the Middle East, they want an accord like this. They want, call it Abraham Accord, call it anything Accord, but they want peace and they want progress. But is it not fair to say that after an event which is the largest taking of Jewish life since the Holocaust, that a two-state solution is now impossible? It could be a three-state solution with Gaza, you know, with the Arabs, the West Bank will vote its own government. And of course, well, they haven't had an election in, in Gaza for, what, 12 years now? For many years. But the last election they had, actually, uh, some people were tweeting, it was a coup. Yeah. They went and massacred the Fatah, the actual mainstream organization. So it wasn't an election. It was a takeover. It's a takeover called under election. So, 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 so can, can those territories ever function as states? I mean, we talk about the society. I call it the jihadi society. When you raise young boys from the age of zero to hate Jews and want to destroy Israel. Can, they, can these regions ever function as modern states? They need one generation whereby moderate Arab countries or societies... Impose secularity like, like, help like help Ataturk? Help them. Ataturk is one form. That's, that's great that you gave the example. But make sure to organize and reform the schools. I mean, you see kids, five-year-old, six-year-old, jihad, right. uh, his family telling him yes, but there are other elements inside Gaza. Strong enough no. to, to counter? No, they cannot bring down the regime of Hamas. 
the Arabs need to replace Other it. states yes. need to create an environment exactly. where those non-radical forces could come to an ascendance. And one generation. What we have done in Japan and in Germany after World War II against two fascist regimes. But that was with complete control by... I mean, the Americans wrote the Constitution of Germany, wrote the Constitution of Japan. The Arabs should move in. I'm very clear here. But do they want to? They, Professor, that's the question. They are. Let me t- say it very clearly yeah. now, on camera. Yeah. They do not trust this administration. <laughs> I don't either. So, you know, because he could put them in right. and then he would say ceasefire and withdraw. The Israelis as well yes. would move in and then... Because what controls our foreign policy are the billions of dollars of the Iran deal. That's next. What a perfect... I didn't even... But it's just we didn't coordinate this. Mind control. It's just uh, telepathy. We're talking to Professor Walid Faris. Follow him right now on uh, Twitter at Walid Faris. It's P-H-A-R-E-S. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First One-on-One coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. We discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. All right, he said it there. It's about Iran. Proudest moment of my time in the White House was telling the president, he knew it already, but he asked me and Steve Bannon to inform the cabinet why the, the Iran deal, Obama's Iran deal, had to be killed. And after we did that briefing, the president killed it. Can that part of the world ever be, have a semblance of stability whilst Iran is an Islamic theocracy, Professor? No, that's the short answer. Under this regime, the Khomeinist regime, the Islamic Republic regime, they have an agenda. The agenda is clear. It's not hidden. It's not mafia that's preparing stuff. It's open. They are in control. Remember, we're in 2023. They're in control of Iraq with all what we have done in Iraq, all the sacrifices. They're in control of Syria. And they are in control under Hezbollah, a formidable, dangerous organization of Lebanon and down south in Yemen. They are in control of a part of Yemen, which actually control the access to the Red Sea and the Indian Ocean. That's a lot. That, that's actually a smaller size Soviet Union at the end of the day. But, but here's my challenge. You literally wrote the book. It's your, your most recent book, Iran. Everybody needs to go and get it right now. An imperialist republic and U.S. policy. But is it fair to say that whilst it has this incredibly impressive record of indirectly controlling parts of the world, of leveraging proxies like uh, Hezbollah, like Hamas, itself it is a paper tiger. Because Mm. if it tried to go to war with Israel or tried to go to war with America, it wouldn't last three minutes. Is it fair to say it's a paradoxical regime? The, The strength of the Iran regime is not just by having those militias 
it's by having the control of over our foreign policy. Yes. Now, wait a minute. What you have broadcast now was important. The $150 billion that were sent to that regime, what do you think the regime did with it, in addition to purchasing weapons and funding militias, purchasing influence in Europe, here, from academia to media to think tanks? To Obama's chief Iran negotiator, Rob Malley. Absolutely, and I'm sure you have mentioned in your discussions the fact that we discovered that top-ranking national security advisors, Iranian-Americans, are working with the regime, and nothing was done. Chief, so, of, Chief of Staff of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations is one of those individuals today in the Pentagon. Today. today. So when they message each other, let yeah. me give that example for your audience. When the U.S. administration speaks with the Iranians, who speaks with the Iranians? <laughs> These guys, yeah. the analysts. Yeah. Because they have told the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Iran, what can we do for you? Right. That's we, we're here for you. We're, we're, we're inside the building, and we're here for, for you. For you. So yeah. they know that our aircraft... Ca- I'm going to say something more... It's like that horror movie. You know that horror movie? It's very the odd. The phone call is coming from inside the building. You know that line? Of it's course. Like it's an old series from right. James Bond and right. what have you. Right. So now you are in Iran and getting information about our movements, not just the political movements, strategic movements. Yeah. With that security clearance level, you could get anything you want. So what is the future? People need to read your book, but... It, look, it's it's a millennia-old civilization. It's not Iran. It's Persia. It's a very proud civilization. It's only been theocratically controlled since 79. What is the way out of this? During the Cold War, Reagan, Thatcher mm-hmm. didn't invade other countries to take over communist countries. It assisted the underground movement. The dissidents. The dissidents. Under, I mean, you know that. Right. Look, my father's uh, of type of dissidents, Solidarność in Poland, yep. on and on and on. Is this the potential model for Persia? It could have been, should have been, and actually now we have a standing revolution. The crazy thing that is happening is, instead of supporting them, we are funding the regime that is oppressing them. I mean, the $6 billion, if they use $1 billion against their own population... They will crush the revolution. We have to stop funding them, one, and we have to expose them and say that they are anti-democratic regime. How close did it get? I mean, I'm biased. You can say I'm biased because I was inside the building, but when we were in the White House with our sanction regime, the strongest we'd ever had, we literally brought Iran to its knees. One year, they lost 38% of the value of the stock market in, in, in Tehran. How close did we get to a good result for the people of Persia under Trump? Uh, You got so close. Two huge decisions. Number one is to withdraw from the Iran deal. Number two is to designate the Pazdaran, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, as terrorist organization. It shook off their foundation. And I would have projected that a second administration would have gone all the way in the support. And I think that the Iran regime has used some of the funds, some of the funds with influence capability to fight the administration here. That's my theory. All right. He wrote it down for you in his latest book, Iran, Get It Today, An Imperialist Republic and U.S. Policy. Our special in-studio guest, good friend of mine, Professor Walid Faris. Follow him on Twitter at Walid Faris. This is America First, coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios just outside the insalubrious, fetid, rank, malodorous, noisome swamp that is Washington, D.C. On this My Pillows 20-year anniversary with over 80 million My Pillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their My Pillows. You will receive a 
queen size my pillow for just 19.98 regular price 69.98 and just $10 more for a king size you will receive deep discounts on all my pillow products such as bed sheets mattress toppers pet beds mattresses my slippers and so much more this is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on go to mypillow.com click on the radio podcast square and use promo code gorka to receive this amazing offer on the queen size my pillow for 19.98 or call 800 829 8468 this offer comes with a 10 year warranty and a 60 day money back guarantee it's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve go to mypillow.com promo code g o r k a or call 800 829 8468 today mypillow.com code gorka That wasn't the West Bank. That wasn't Gaza. That was outside the beautiful Sydney Opera House in Australia. Muslims chanting, gas the Jews. But it's not just the Antipodes, as we've reported here on America First, on my show on Newsmax. We have young Americans tearing down the posters of the children, the hostages at Boston University on the streets of New York. Professor, we only have a few minutes left, but you mentioned this half an hour ago, and this is really important. Jihadism isn't just something that affects the Middle East, is it? No, it affects the world. Actually, Foreign Minister of UAE, Sheikh Abdullah, and the uh, current Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia warned us, it's on, it's on uh, TV, it's online, that the most extreme jihadists are not going to come from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. It's going to come from the West, yeah. because those jihadists have migrated. Actually, the Europeans open, opened their ports, and of course, here we're opening our borders. We got them in. Yeah. And what is strange about that stream of jihadism, it is with no limitation. There is no political limitation. So we're talking about a mutation of extreme. It's a la Khmer Rouge. Right. It, it, is, it has the potential to be the, even more violent than that which has political limitations in the Middle East. It has government limitations. Yeah, even, right. if you go, even if you go to the Taliban, they still need some stuff. Right. They limit. This is beyond the Taliban. Right. beyond the Islamic Republic of Iran. Even Iran wants to negotiate in fancy yeah. hotels in Vienna Absolutely. Switzerland. These are regimes. Right. They are against us, but these yes. are regimes. Now, this is a wave that nobody can control. It was created by those madrasas. It was created by uh, broadcast, and it was created by money we sent to NGOs, including to Gaza. The European Parliament is investigating hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested in Gaza Islamic University. No control, nothing. Of course, you're going to have mutations like these. Yeah, you remember Anwar al-Awlaki uh, had an American passport. Yes, and you're yeah. going to have a lot of people with all kind of passports yeah. being jihadists. It's international at this point in time. Wake up, dear friends. He's been, he's been telling us for decades, starting with his book on jihad. Uh, educate yourself right now. Check out Professor Wally's Future Jihad, Terrorist Strategies Against the West. And if you want to understand the state actors, the most important malefactor right now, his latest book is Iran, an imperialist republic and U.S. policy. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. Make sure you never miss any of our deep dive discussions with the real experts 
like the good professor. Go to your favorite podcast platform, plug in my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Leave us a five-star review. Share the links with your friends. It costs you nothing. And then don't forget to follow us on all the social media platforms. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel, watch your six, hold the line, never give up, never give in. And now more than ever, stay frosty. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.